No way. Did they say that? Yep, yep. So it sounds like things may get worse before they get better. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I think we're, we're live. So maybe you should tell everyone else, what, what are we doing over here? And why are we talking about things that are going to get worse before they get better? Yes. So welcome, everyone, to Cloud Security Podcast, another episode. This week, we are talking about the Hacker Summer Camp. So we're going to go into what the Hacker Summer Camp is, um, what were the key takeaways from the keynotes, um, and also what were some of the themes that we were seeing on the floor and in the talks for the cloud security industry. And then we're going to go to wrap it all up uh, with some key takeaways from us. So that's what we're going to go through. Um, so we'll jump right in. Um, so what is Hacker Summer Camp? I'm going to do a really quick overview of that. It's a week and a bit. Um, usually happens in Vegas, where a lot of conferences come together. So it's your Black Hat, DEF CON, Dyna Initiative, and besides Vegas, Black Hat is more a little bit more of a corporate event, whereas DEF CON is one of your largest hacking um, conferences. Dyna Initiative is a lot about getting misrepresented um, communities into uh, cybersecurity, and B-Side Vegas is, again, a community event. So that's your, I guess, one minute on what Hacker Summer Camp is. Um, Ashish, I might throw to you, who do you think should be attending Hacker Summer Camp? Uh, that's a good question. I just want to quickly say hello to a few people as well. Hey, Vinay, thanks for coming in. Morning. Now, uh, Hacker Summer Camp, quickly for people, it is basically for people who used to be hackers and now probably have a civil job or people who are, want to be hackers or people who are trying to get introduced to the industry. There were a lot of people we met who got their kids for the first time, their young kids who were going into universities. Which, which is such a great idea, I think. <laughs> creating a new lineage of cybersecurity. So it's for everyone. Uh, I think I definitely recommend going to both Black Hat and DEF CON uh, and the entire Hacker Summer Camp. It's a thing. You can go with your parents, as it seems like, as well. Amazing. Um, so we're going to jump into the Black Hat keynote, which this year was given by Jeff Morse, who is the founder of Black Hat, and also Chris Krebs, who used to be, I think, a former director of CISA. And there were some really interesting takeaways, and I think that really set the tone for what um, I guess this is ahead for the cybersecurity community. And I guess what, is, what are some of the key themes that we should be looking at or things that we should be thinking about? Um, so Black Hat has been around for 25 years. It was started 25 years ago and which I found to be quite interesting to actually educate the industry about how to buy secure products. And I found it really interesting that Jeff Moss did mention that that didn't quite work and we are still kind of trying to figure it out. Um, they were looking 25 years ahead. Um, so what's lying for us, um, I guess, 25 years ahead in regards All to right. that? All right. So wait, was that the first one? Because I think, so DEF CON did 30 years. That's why that's yeah. they were DEF CON 30. So DEF CON started first, followed by Black Hat, followed by B-Side Vegas, I guess? Yeah, yeah. So that, that's the way it sounds like. So DEF CON was obviously celebrating um, their 30th year with their homecoming. And Black Hat was in the 20, 25th year. I think hack, um, DEF CON has been going on for quite a while as well, which is uh, like obviously for, it's primarily for the hacker community and a really cool event. Obviously you get to see all sorts of hacking far beyond computers. There's so many things that can be hacked these days because we are so connected, which brings me um, to a really interesting point that came, came up in the keynote um, is the fact that the landscape is really shifting for cybersecurity and I guess for the industry overall. Uh, because more things than ever are connected to the internet. Um, you know, a lot more data is out there. Um, so the attack surface overall has increased a lot. So which I thought was really interesting. Um, and things for that pure reason, the fact that, you know, a lot of us have migrated to the cloud. There's been accelerated digital transformation, which we spoke about quite a bit around RSA. Um, 
there is a potential that things may actually get worse before they get better, um, So, which was quite an interesting takeaway. Another thing um, that they do mention is that the cybersecurity community at the moment has a lot of power in terms of being able to influence um, you know, the outcome of these things and making sure that society is protected. But we just have to own it and you know, we have to make the best of it as well. Um, I think another thing that did come up is because the landscape is shifting, um, and the industry is maturing quite a bit. Uh, one of the questions that did come up is, are we keeping pace with the way the landscape is shifting um, with regards to you know, how we're developing as a cybersecurity company? There are a lot of technology vendors at the moment, but also, again, are they keeping pace with where they need to be with regards to how far, I guess, the landscape is changing and how, you know, how the attackers are also becoming more and more mature? So there were lots of really interesting... Takeaways. I was going to say, sorry, I didn't want to cut you off, but I think that, that kind of is a good point because um, I can't remember where I was read, were reading a report where they said by 2030 or 2035, even the hackers will start using AI. So you kind of have to wonder that, oh, like, I think we may try and we are trying to solve cloud security problems. By the way, this is like the cloud version because we're going to talk about specifically why uh, Black Hat, Defcon, the entire Hacker Summer Camp and what it meant from a cloud security perspective for people like us who are attending with that cloud security lens. But right. it's also interesting to what Shilpi said in terms of just the attack surface and how sophisticated some of these things are becoming. It's also becoming very evident that, hey, we are obviously quite powerful in the context that there are organizations with one or two security team members. If you leave one S3 bucket open to the internet, you basically ruin the entire company. But that's why there's a lot of responsibility on a lot of people who are probably individuals or smaller teams that are managing uh, these cloud resources. And if uh, for, for, for whatever reason, if the hackers actually started, like, maybe I should clarify. When I say hackers, I mean bad hackers. I don't really mean the good hackers. They're obviously good hackers as well. I think Shilpi and I, a lot of the listeners, Vineet and everyone else over here is a good hacker as well. We're all here to do the right thing. The, I'm talking about the bad ones. And um, if they decide for whatever reason that they want to not have uh, the, the civil society we live in, uh, that probably definitely ruins everyone's shape. So I just wanted to add that in. But great point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely. And I think um, uh, I think as we go through the talk, there's, there was a lot of conversation around how attackers are becoming much more sophisticated now. They have all the same tools um, you know, available to them. And, um, they've got far more resources. I think earlier back in RSA as well, when we were having a lot of conversations, um, it's about, you know, how much funding now they have access to because of the ransomware, because of all the, you know, the crypto um, crypto landscape as well. There is a lot of things that they have access to. So they have become, you know, unicorns, um, you know, as well, which we have to be mindful of. Um, I'm going to, you know, sort of just finish off the keynote side of things with a shout out to Daniel Measler that happened during the keynote. And he has been one of our previous guests. So do check out that episode if you're keen. Um, very interesting. So he, he did say, and I do agree with this, software will remain vulnerable because the benefits of an insecure product outweighs um, any downsides that it has. So until that <laughs> will stay um, we will be dealing with this kind of a problem and, and I do agree that you know security does work within a larger ecosystem within an organization they're within organizations that are trying to obviously you know produce products at a very fast pace and the benefits of that obviously often outweighs I guess downsides of any any security risks that we might see so some really interesting nuggets um, there in in the keynote but I think the next thing that might be interesting for us to get into would just be some of I guess the overarching themes that we were um, you know sort of saw at 
Hacker Summer Camp as a whole, and then we'll obviously go into each of the conferences. Uh, but one of the things that was really interesting for me this year, um, cloud security has been always a lot about, I think we hear a lot about AWS because AWS was the first one on the ground. Um, you know, they probably started off a bit earlier. So a lot of the talks previously have been around AWS and learning. This year I did seem to think, and I would um, love to hear from anyone who either attended or, you know, is catching up on the talks. There were a lot of Azure talks. Uh, there were a few GCP talks. There were AWS talks, but not that many. And I wonder, there could be one of two things. Either we've had a lot of AWS talks and people are wanting to hear about the other clouds more. Um, there is a notion that there is a little more adoption of the other clouds as well with Azure and GCP. So that could be a reflection of where the industry is going. Uh, but I think that's something that I would love to hear other people talk about as well. Um, there was a focus on IAM which was, again, very consistent with AWS Reinforce that we attended. IAM, even though I think it was one of the very initial things that we were talking about in cloud. And as a concept, I think IAM always sounds really simple, right? It's protecting you know, your access and uh, least privilege and all of that. I think it's something that I, as an industry, as a cloud security industry, I think we're still trying to solve. And there were lots of interesting conversations around IAM and least privilege. And again, very similar to what we saw at Reinforce. So it is consistent across the industry. Um, supply chain security, I think, has been, and I think, uh, I know you and I have done like a series uh, previously in this year. And it does sometimes, you kind of almost feel, is it becoming a buzzword? But no, it's not really. Because I think, again, it is one of those things that is, such a risk. Um, there was a lot of conversation around, you know, CI/CD pipeline was a big one, which I saw in many different talks, but also around API security as well. Um, and there was something really interesting. Again, I'm going to refer a little bit back to the keynote where um, Chris Krebs does say, why do you rob a bank? Because that's where the money is. And this is where the importance for the supply chain security is coming, because why, uh, why is there such a focus on supply chain? Because that's where the access is for a lot of the hackers. That is where your data is. That is often where your most vulnerable spots are. So that's why you know supply chain security is still top of mind um, and not so much, in my opinion, a buzzword at the moment still. Um, Kubernetes. We are loving Kubernetes. And I know, Ashish, you've got a little bit of a viewpoint on you know, how Kubernetes tracking. You've been you know, in cloud security for a while. Um, there, any thoughts about like, you know, why Kubernetes is still popping up? You know, what are you seeing in the industry at the moment? Yeah, sure. Uh, maybe I can add a few more bits to the beginning parts as well. As you were yeah, walking sure, through it, definitely. I'm just in my mind going, that is actually true. That is actually true. And especially definitely <laughs> shout out to Daniel Meisler and, and the work, awesome work that he's doing. I love that quote because it was like, it was so spot on and no wonder it got picked up for the keynote. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely done well. I, I, I would probably say this from a Black Hat perspective, uh, the definitely themes that I noticed, I am, by the way, for people who may end up watching the video and um, I guess on YouTube, if you're listening to this on the podcast, I am wearing a reinforced t-shirt, not that obvious, but there you go. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I'm wearing an reinforced feature because to what shall be said, the themes were very similar, but in terms of, so Black Hat doesn't call them talks. Black Hat likes to call them briefings because to what shall be said, it was the first version was supposed to be briefings from hackers. And so they've continued that naming even after 25 years. So that's why Which if you I look for Black Hat talks, it doesn't come talks. up with anything. You need to look for Black Hat briefings. Yeah. And when you go through them, at least for me, uh, it was an IAM team, there was cloud managed, and then there was Kubernetes. Now, in general, it was definitely felt in the community that there were not that many cloud talks. Like I can, I'm going to go through them quickly. There were less than 10 talks on Black Hat. 
compared to like i mean there was like a three four day event and you're like okay there's only like, that should be a lot more considering that we are talking about cloud so much but <laughs> something that shilpi and i've been talking about every time we go to all these events is that maybe cloud security is like a little bit of a cult where we are talking among ourselves because some of the feedback in the industry is that if a cloud security research is presented in a non cloud conference a lot of people don't even have the context and you all you get is blank stares however if you present it at say reinforce forward cloud sec or all these or even like at one of our cloud security meetups you definitely get to find that people are more resonating they realize oh my god yes i need to work or like tell me more about this so i definitely found that that was quite fascinating that i mean maybe the adoption as they say is not that high in terms of no people talk about oh there's a report that everything's going to be in cloud by uh, 2030 or whatever but i wonder how much of it is actually slowed down now since things are opening up with the pandemic so that would be an interesting insight if we, if it continues to be that there are not enough talks but i mean i think and a more uh, i guess if you were to kind of be a devil's advocate the other argument to this was well black hat is supposed to be more about research and uh, there were research talks as well there but because you're researching a cloud service provider probably it's harder harder to find and it's cloud security research as a field is still coming up as well so that was one of the things but to your point kubernetes adoption continues to increase and coming back to your thing there were a lot of workshops there were definitely a few talks around this as well the biggest adoption i think last year they were saying there was a stat that the uh, adoption of kubernetes increased by 70% and yeah that, that so that kind of shows you why people are still talking about kubernetes or cloud native and yeah that seems to catch attention but i just wanted to add that to the black hat piece no well. no so definitely and very good points i guess from your perspective as well um i think like a little anecdote like i know from our experience running the podcast Kubernetes month was really popular which we probably yeah. didn't realize how popular Kubernetes is becoming and it's still you know um it's not one of those technologies that i feel like you know people were adopting it 2 years ago and now they've kind of gone oh what's the next thing i think people are still it's very relevant because people are sounds like people are really getting benefit out of yeah, it yeah for some reason serverless hasn't gotten the same attention people just kept talking about serverless is going to take over but now it seems like containers as well as i mean if you kind of think about the floor as you we because there are these booths as well i mean there's an obligatory mention to to what shilpi said that or oh, black hat is very much like an rsa conference where this is the biggest cybersecurity conference uh, the two biggest cybersecurity conference outside of aws reinvent i guess where not community where we can walk around where there's a lot of cybersecurity products that you can see and in general if you believe the buzzword bingo for like a better word there there were quite a few teams that came out of it and i'm sure we can go into that as well but the ones that stood out for me there was uh so from from edrs now we're talking about cdrs cloud detection and response then there were these uh api conversations there was agentless conversation there's a lady named kelly shortage and she's done a whole buzzword bingo for the past three, few years i'll leave her blog on the i, I guess I'll, i'll leave a blog of buzzword bingos in the show notes for you people to look at but that kind of gives you an idea for how many buzzwords were just obvious across the board and a lot of them like api security is another one uh which we i mean we're actually covering an api security next weekend but it was interesting for us how much the conversation about api security is a common theme across the conferences that we've been to throughout the, and we've already been to like what four the conferences this yeah. year at least yeah. 
I think API security has definitely been an interesting one because I think we were probably not paying as much attention to it. And I think this year it's really starting to come up in a lot of conferences. It was definitely there at the Hacker Summer Camp. We definitely had a lot of really interesting conversations previously in the year about RSA. And it just seems to make sense. Obviously, you know, everything is connected to APIs and with digital transformation and with, you know, cloud adoption. It is something that, again, I think it's very similar to that IAM conversation. It's just one of those bare basics that we often tend to avoid, but again, very critical. So you, with your buzzword bingo, you said API security was one of them. Were there any others? Because I, I find it really interesting and I think I just wanted to capture, were there any others that you felt, oh, you know, this either a surprise or this like, yep, that totally makes sense. This is what I'm hearing in the industry. Yeah, so I think the apart from the agentless and content, content detection response, which was, sorry, not content, but cloud detection response. Uh, the other thing that I kind of stood out for me was cloud and data definitely came across two different pillars. Like there was definitely an understanding that everything yeah. is being hosted in cloud or would eventually be hosted in cloud. Maybe yeah. that's why if you compare the talks for cloud, like say to 2021, I, I definitely don't feel it's a fair comparison because 2021 was a virtual version and not many people wanted to go out or do anything. So maybe uh, I may be a bit biased in saying that Black Hat 2022 had a lot more talks, but not as many as one would think, but still more than what it was in the previous years. I definitely felt cloud and data stood out as a big pillar, especially because of the conversation around privacy for people in Europe who have been following uh, Google Analytics was made, uh, I think was, to was given a notice. I think it is definitely going to be called out as not compliant with GDPR uh, from memory a few months ago. There's a lot of conversation around privacy. So the two pillars, if you wanted to just zoom out and look at what are people really talking about? So there's a lot of threat detection response in the cloud context. There's like the whole agent, agent, let's say I would put all of that in the cloud bucket. And then mm -hmm. there was the whole data. How do you identify data? How do you manage data? What do you do for data's rogue, rogue across? And even there's a ASPM that was there as well. That was also in that same vertical as a cloud. They're also realizing that, hey, there's a lot of this stuff there. Uh, supply chain, again, I would put it in the cloud bucket, but I guess it kind of travels across both, both things. So I would probably say if you were to zoom out and if you start to notice a pattern, cloud and data are probably the two pillars uh, that, I mean, all of them connects one to. Yeah, yeah. Which doesn't is, isn't surprising because obviously data for most organizations are the most critical, I guess, secrets or the things that they need to protect the most and cloud for many organizations is where everything is being hosted. So that to me um, makes sense. Um, you know, uh, I'm going to cover off just a couple of other quick things, um, key trends that we were seeing across Hacker Summer Camp. So one of them was the rise of cloud security research. So that is something that has really been popping up over the last couple of years. Cloud security research and researchers, you know, we, there were talks from um, many different companies um, at Hacker Summer Camp across the board about just cloud security research that has been conducted and vulnerabilities that have been found and what does that mean for the community. So I thought that was really interesting because that's coming up and there were re researchers from Microsoft with obviously outside of security, Palo Alto, Unit 24. So there were quite a few of these talks um, across, I guess, Hacker Summer Camp. Um, the other thing that was really interesting was seeing a lot of vulnerable by design tooling. So a lot of tool tools were um, shared and we'll link them obviously in the podcast show notes about um, being able to obviously do hands-on testing of these cloud environments, which I think is really valuable. So there was um, CICD GOAT um, that was released. There was Azure and AWS GOAT. There were Kubernetes GOAT. So there was quite a few of these that were released as well, which was interesting to see uh, that um, you know the industry is recognizing the need for 
uh, some hands-on tooling um, and getting that hands-on experience as well. So that was kind of like a, a you know wrap up of um, you know key themes that we're seeing. So now we're going to get into I guess the meat of um, things as well. So starting off with I think let's kick it off with Black Hat. Um, uh, which we said, you know, obviously is that a little bit more corporate. Still, the intention is that it's one of those technical conferences. Um, you know, being at Black Hat, listening to the talks, Ashish, what were some of the things that really stood out for you as, I guess, a, you know, um, person who's been a CISO and also someone who's been in the cloud security, um, you know, uh, been a cloud security professional for a while? Sure. And Black Hat 2022, as you said, it's a very corporate event and I think that's where you see a lot of suits walking around. Not that it's anything wrong with wearing suits. I wear, I wear a suit as well every day. But I think the theme over there was it's, it's divided. The briefings itself is divided into, I guess, two parts. The first one, day one, is something called a CISO summit where it's only an invite. I think my understanding is it's an invite-only event with only CISOs allowed. They have a set of talks that go through and a lot of people who we spoke to, a lot of CISOs who we spoke to, they basically said they would just come to Black Hat just for a CISO summit. The, just the conversations on the floor. Also because not everyone has access to it. So your guard is a bit more down because you are talking to other CISOs and you hear problems that are really interesting that other CISOs are facing, what you're trying to find out about. And I mean, not that this is a, I mean, I, I don't want to call it like a, it's a boys club or whatever, but I think it's definitely a CISO club. And maybe the reason for all this is also because, A, that's probably one of the biggest reasons why anyone go to a conference or for a security conference usually is, especially a corporate one, is because you want to get to more, meet more CISOs who are probably solving the same problem as you are or as someone else is. So the, the folks who basically attended CISO Summit, when we were talking to them, uh, and they basically said they obviously love uh, this. They had CISOs from over 100 plus countries similar to most most events, which is like amazing because you get to talk to CISOs from all over the world. And they also said, this was also a, there was a pool of people who had some cloud, cloud favorite talks at the CISO summit. They obviously have a, like I think they had about 10 talks or something. The ones that were popular, at least in the concept, I'm sure others were great as well. Uh, one was the cyber war 2022, just around the whole Russia, Ukraine thing. Uh, I believe that talk was from Kenneth Beers. And there was another one about unifying asset attack surface and vulnerability management. That was from Daniel Miesler. So another mention to Daniel Miesler there. But overall, all CISOs who attended the event basically said they were uh, pretty pretty happy with the overall event. They definitely enjoyed it. They definitely would love to come back just for the CISO summit. I think that also I want to address a question that just came in from Kapil as well. Uh, how about SPOM for cloud? And um, I think, unfortunately, Kapil... Uh, I would have thought at least a CISO summit would have covered it. They did not have that talk. I did not see any talk on SBOM. So it was really, I, I mean. Think there was one. I might actually just, so I think there was one talk from a for SBOM that was there. They were actually the same talk was there. I think it was at DEF CON and as well as Dyna Initiative. So what I might do, couple, I'll, I'll link that um, for you in the comments later. Uh, but yeah, there was um, one talk. But again, like, you know, it is something that we have been hearing about, but there wasn't much of a representation uh, around that at Hacker Summer Camp. Um, but I, in the industry, I'm still hearing a lot of people really talking about SBOM. Yeah, so yeah. it's I mean, definitely we, we there. We have plenty of conversations around that, about how to do SBOM in the cloud as well. So yeah, at least, as I said, seems like a weird little cult, which is like trying try to talk about cloud among ourselves, but we definitely are seeing a lot more representation slowly. Perfect. Hopefully there are answering um, questions. Thanks for that. Um, so, uh, and just to answer Vinny's question, which talk were you really interested in recommend? We'll, we'll answer that in a few parts, uh, Vinny. So I'm, I'm going to go into it now. So the Black Hat event, obviously, CISO Summit, great. Definitely go back to it. 
the other half, which is the briefing itself, I was looking from a perspective for as a cloud security professional or a practitioner, what kind of talks would be probably best, even though they had a whole category for cloud and platform security. I'm assuming they had a combined category for cloud and platform because they couldn't think of or they didn't have enough research for cloud or maybe they did not have that many submissions for cloud. So if you're someone who probably is doing a lot of work in cloud, you may should try and put a talk out there next time. And maybe, you know, we'd love to cover you folks as well. Though overall, there were not a lot of cloud talks, as I was saying earlier. There were three talks directly on the topic and there were eight talks indirectly on the topic. The people who, I mean, the, the folks who spoke about it, there was a conversation about Azure AD, uh, Azure Active Directory. And then there was a conversation about backdoor to an Azure AD account. So again, Azure AD. There were a couple of conversations around IAM, around how someone was able to exploit uh, IAM, uh, especially the SAML SSO part. There was one conversation about Kubernetes, and another one was basically a PostgreSQL or vulnerability. Now, the one that I'm talking about, where one was a research, which was uh, the pointing the cloud with untraditional Postgres vulnerability. That was Sher Tamari, as well as Nir Ophiel. They were from Wiz. Uh, there's another one, which is a research, which is Kubernetes privilege escalation, container escape. That was from Yuval and Shawl. That was another research. That was they are from uh, Palo Alto. Uh, IAM piece. That was also a research. That was from Stephen Seeley. He's a local Melbourne person as well. What up, Melbourne? And uh, mm -hmm. then there were a couple of talks around Azure. Uh, sorry, there, there were a couple more research. Again, IAM Azure AD. That was a team. Yeah. The indirect talks that were uh, around supply chain containers, serverless application security. That's kind of what we think are indirect talks. They're kind of like, you know, they're sister topics to the whole thing. But I definitely find that uh, they were definitely still relevant from a cloud perspective. So in there, the one talk that got my attention was the whole uh, GitHub Copilot that got released. It was really interesting that, I mean, for people who don't know, quick five-second five version, GitHub Copilot is supposed to be this uh, paired programmer. So when you're a developer or you are writing a code, it's a plugin inside the software that you use to write code. It recommends what the next line of code should be. So your, overall, your quality of code is better. And there were these researchers from universities, uh, Heyman, Benjamin, Brendan, and Bali. Uh, what they found was basically, I think 30% of the code that was being created by Copilot was vulnerable. And I made a whole Twitter thread around it. And it was really interesting because what they said is, well, if the the what, at least what the industry is saying on Twitter was that if the overall code on GitHub is vulnerable, then it's very understandable that GitHub Copilot is learning from that code and it's probably going to add more. That and I don't want to ditch any uh, Copilot. I'm sure you know they can make a better version for it. If you were already creating good quality code, that would already happen. So. I, wanna, I didn't want to ditch on it, but I thought it was a really interesting concept that if this was the first version of AI, then maybe, oh, actually, this, this could be the beginning of something that, you know, mm -hmm. you may have like a paired programming thing. So that's what, that was my thought on it. The other one, again, source code management, someone is able to use, uh, I guess, abuse source code management system. So for people who don't know what source code management systems are, source code management systems are things like your, again, GitHub, Bitbucket, the space where your code is stored and being triggered for. That's what a source code management system is. And last but not least, there was an RCE as a service, which is a really good talk from the NCC group guys, uh, Ian and Victor. And uh, the talk about abusing source code management system was from Brett Hawkins. That's me. Um, and I think obligatory mention for Black Hat, obviously, which I called out already.
yeah amazing like and then it's just interesting because i think when you were talking through the talks there were um quite a few that very similar to the ones that caught my attention as well so obviously there's the post um gresql as a service that one um and i think for me what i was taking away from this especially all the cloud security research was what are the some of the learnings like um obviously different to i guess cvs that we would normally see outside the cloud environment a lot of the vulnerabilities found in cloud actually get patched up so they're not so much about like you know making sure you're upgrading this and um it's often about what are the learnings and i think with the postgres uh, sql as a service um one of the things that they do mention is isolation is key and isolation can be a really good tool to stop hackers so i thought you know that is something that we could probably take away as a learning uh, for even other you know um things that we might might want to do with our cloud as well um every cloud security provider does have a different isolation me mechanism and apparently there's very limited information about that as well so one of the recommendations that is they had is that ask your cloud security providers about what their isolation mechanisms are that could be something that could be quite valuable um with the kubernetes one i know you spoke about that one as well um about how some system pods are sometimes quietly installed by kubernetes so again we're going back into that conversation about you know following your least privilege um i think i do feel like it does become a bit one of those things i hear least privilege so much and in theory it sounds amazing but it sounds like it's one of those things that we're still trying to figure out how do we do it and um also segregating the powerful pods from the untrusted ones so again you know i know kubernetes adoption is increasing a lot but again with any adoption as with cloud there will be some vulnerabilities that we need to be aware of so i thought those were some really quick um you know key takeaways that we could take away from that um i think the other talk that you did mention was uh the one about rce as a service or remote code execution as a service um and you know what people have learned from 5 years of looking at different um ci cd pipeline compromises and um the key and ci cd pipeline is one of those things as i mentioned before was quite common and we heard a lot of topics around that just across hacker summer camp um so ci cd pipeline we know um is really beneficial but also it's really complex and environments are rarely threat modeled um which was again you know very interesting takeaway i know there's an increased conversation around threat detection now but it sounds like that's something that probably wasn't happening before so i'm glad that it is um and there have been a lot of you know high profile um compromises that have had happened so there is an increased focus on pipeline and infrastructure and making sure they're protected so those were some of my like key nuggets that i thought okay i'm going to take these away and you know sort of look at um implementation and these good hygienes i guess um going on to defcon now Sorry, before we go to DefCon, there's a question yes. from, uh, or there's a comment from Kapil around zero trust is also a buzzword everyone's talking about. Unfortunately, if there wasn't much on uh, zero trust, at least in my research, I did not see anything for zero trust in Black Hat or DefCon. Did you see anything, Shilpi, in in your research? Not specifically, but I think zero trust again is one of those topics like supply chain, which I think has so many components to it. Um, so I think a lot of the things, be it you know IAM or API security, like there's so many different pillars, and I, I know we're covering um, zero trust in uh, some upcoming episodes. Um, I think talking about it as a whole. it's it's quite hard and i think what we may find is a lot of the talks that have happened kind of lead into that whole concept of how does an organization achieve zero trust but i don't i didn't see any that were talking fully about that but i know ashish you've got a a talk coming up at one of the conferences around zero trust so you know um, yeah, that, that I, maybe it just kind of goes back to the whole thing that we were talking about and and thanks for the question by the way kapil that you know so there are certain themes like spom and zero trust are definitely like being spoken about by a lot of people 
Uh, yeah, and 100%. I think so. Couple just mentioned mostly in RSA, and yep. that's that's definitely true as well. So uh, zero trust. Uh, there was, I mean, if you, if you kind of go back to the RSA, which is the first biggest cybersecurity conference in this 2022, they definitely had a lot of talks about SPOM, zero trust, APS security. I mean, maybe if one of the things we can take away from this conversation is also the fact that if you're looking for industry trend, you probably should be looking at RSA for cybersecurity. Because I guess Black Hat, at least from for 2022, seems like from a cloud security perspective, it's talking more about the research and some of the talks from pre, like, it's more about, oh, how do I exploit Active Directory? Oh, how do I, you know, like, I think things like a bit more, uh, they're relevant, but more relevant from an on-premise perspective instead of a cloud perspective, unless you have moved your Active Directory into cloud and not using a managed version. So yeah, I think maybe that's where, I mean, maybe that's why we didn't, and I think, by the way, Ashulpi, I think what you raised is a good point. There are talks probably for people who know Zero Trust would get interested in saying, oh, yeah, supply chain. I wonder what, what they're talking about and how that may affect my Zero, zero Trust architecture. But mm. yeah, outside of that, there was no direct, really direct link for our actual talk. That's right. And I think Black Hat, I mean, this is from what I was hearing from the attendees, Black Hat and RSA, like the way they're slightly different is Black Hat's intention has always been a little more technical. So I wonder if they actually focus on more the granular, you know, they go that one layer deeper where they're actually talking about the exact technology, whereas with RSA, maybe they're talking about the more overarching supply chain, zero trust. So that could be, I mean, that's just me taking a pun, but um, that could be maybe one of the reasons why we're seeing more sort of active directory conversations versus, you know, like zero trust as a whole. So then that could be something. Um, for DEF CON, um, what were some of the things? So this is the biggest hacker conference that happens globally. Uh, it was our first time attending it, and it's really sort of quite a magical experience because you can just see how many things can be hacked and also that fact that so many things are now connected. Um, so it definitely opens your eyes. Uh, but for your perspective, from a, for, for a cloud security professional, um, what stood out for you for DEF CON? Yeah, and I, I think you probably just quickly, I wanted to talk about what you just said there as well because... This was our first time at DEF CON, first time at Black Hat. And uh, I'm sure you had an exciting story when we were talking about it the first day. But it's almost, so there's always a theme, right? So Black Hat itself doesn't itself have a theme. It's just Black Hat 2021, Black Hat 2022. It kind of goes on from there. So they've been there for 25 years. DEF CON itself has been there for 30 years. Now, the, the reason why it's DEF CON 30, and for people who kind of check out the blog later, which we'll leave in the show notes, uh, what, what you would find is in the... It, it, this obviously the it was not, it was supposed to be a 30th birthday for hacker and, and that's why they but the hacker homecoming the reason why they have this is because uh 2020 which is basically defcon 28 it was it turned into defcon safe mode uh, and then there was a bit more ease of restrictions last year so they got, there was more of a hybrid approach so mm -hmm. the amazing logos amazing artwork that gets made and it was like masked person but uh, what is the most exciting part about DEFCON is just that you could be, if you are a, if you're a silent nerd, you could be a true nerd over there. Basically, you could walk around with all these lights on yourself and show off the technical things that you've been working on. So just that 10 second, 30 second version that if, if you are someone who's enjoys technology and wants to show off, you would definitely find something in there. Now, as I mentioned earlier about Black Hat, everything is called briefing in a DEFCON concept. The, the, one of the few things which is interesting for us was there's only cash payments. So, but the money is for the ticket as well as for buying these badges, which are just electronic badges, which you can have, I guess, uh, there are puzzles you can solve onto it. There's a lot more things around to it. And, and then they also have villages, 
basically there's a, if think of a topic most likely there's a village for it or you can start one village for it and obviously there was a cloud village as well which is what we'll be focusing on uh, but overall what people know defcon for and this is our first time so we wanted to cover that part as well is also the news that comes out of what's announced in defcon you may not be interested in all of it and all of that may all of that may not be cloud related like a few things that came out for me which was really amazing was that there were a few cybersecurity researchers who have developed an exploit that can that can be targeted just by using emojis and if you kind of see the slide it's literally a slide full of emojis and they were able to use that to i guess hack something that that was super fascinating the other one was a hacker or group was able to take over a commercial satellite to broadcast hacker movies obviously if you go into the detail of it it was a decommissioned satellite and everything but uh, it was really fascinating to see that someone took over a satellite and started watching hacker movies there and starlink the the satellite operated by spacex which is obviously uh, that provides access to uh, in access to internet over 36 countries that's also shown wonderful using a $25 mod chip and a belgian researcher was revealed on a black hat so obviously starlink has definitely fixed uh, i'm assuming has fixed it by then but it was really interesting to kind of hear the kind of stories coming out some of the other ones that stood out for me was was one for zoom uh, one found that the video conferencing da darling as it is for zoom uh, a researcher from objective objective c foundation for a unique they found a unique hacking technology or at least hacking technique where the mac os version of zoom they were able to elevate privileges and gain access to the entire mac os operating system so that was interesting and i did not know this but i think we kind of uh, at least saw in the news for defcon was that the ukraine uh, state special I need, to, I need to say this right. Ukraine's state special commission communication service. I, I got mouthful. So Viktor Zora, who's the deputy head of Ukraine's state special com communication service, he was attending Black Hat. He basically told his country's infrastructure has experienced over three hundred percent uptake in cyber incidents since Russia's invasion of the country, including the discovery of something called the Indestroyer too. for people who don't know what indestroyer is and why this version do indestroyer was a particularly nasty strain that was able to control electrical substation software and cause power blackout as well as damage equipment and so i mean this is amazing but they obviously did not announce it he just came for the two days and victor just came in and left but he did address the audience for it and there, there was a conversation around from the white house people who came in as well the people from uh, obviously the american white house no i'm sure there are white house in other countries as well uh so the american white house basically there was a cyber director from their name chris inglis who told reporters about they're focusing on the three waves of attacks that's that's what they're looking at in terms of coming on to black hat the i did not know what the three waves were the first wave is focused on adversaries holding data and system at risk second wave is the attackers still held data and system at risk but they then abstract that into holding critical functions at risk and then the third wave of attack is uh it's a like attack like the colonial pipeline so for context for people who have seen die hard 4.0 it's kind of like there's a concept over there which is fire sale you start shutting down the i guess the basic foundational public systems one by one i think that's what they're talking about the three waves so at least that's what i took away so for me that was amazing the ciso perspective there was no specific ciso conference as i mentioned the most of the villages but if you are a ciso 
or a former CISO like me who has always had the hacker mind and wanted to walk into a at least a room and identify, I wonder what's happening in aerospace industry or AI or biohacking or car hacking or ICS payments, voting machine. There were so many interesting topics. And I think I can imagine if you are a CISO in a particular industry, like for example, if you work in a bio industry, you probably would be really interested in biohacking. Mm-hmm. If you work for Tesla or Cruise or one of those uh, um, automation companies, you probably would be interested in going to the car hacking village. Plane people would be interested in going aerospace. So there was something for everyone. And if you are a CISO who's probably trying to do uh, some work in the cultural diversity aspect, there were there were villages for that as well. They were for the, for the first time they had girls who hack. Queer uh, there was a queer con, vet con, blacks and cybersecurity village as well. So from a cultural perspective, if you were trying to find like-minded folks or at least look into what the cybersecurity uh, folks are doing in a particular space, whether it's in Girls Who Hack or in a particular community. There were villages for that as well. And Shilpi and I found a fashion one as well. There was a runway one. What do you think of the runway uh, DEFCON village? I think I thought it was really interesting. And I think before I touch on to that, I think just hearing what you were sharing about DEFCON, um, yes, definitely lots there for diversity. Obviously, there's Diana, Diana Initiative that runs at the same time as well, which is their focus is to increase um, diversity and representation. So villages, of course, and Dina Initiative, just a quick plug on that. Um, and I think the other thing, obviously, you know, all the different hacks and things that you mentioned, I think from a leader, a cybersecurity leader perspective, you kind of just have to take a step back and say, all of these things are possible. It's not so much about fear mongering and thinking that everything's going to get hacked, but it's interesting to know that what is possible. And again, we, you know how we were talking about the fact that hackers are becoming more sophisticated. There's more things available to them and more things are connected. So while you were saying that, that was just kind of replaying in my mind going, you know, it kind of, you kind of started to see a theme of the fact that, you know, um, we probably, and if we are definitely doing a lot of really great things, the cybersecurity industry is quite mature, but are we keeping pace with our adversaries? And that's a loaded question that I don't think we can answer in the one. Things are going to get worse before they get better. Yes, <laughs> maybe <laughs> like that. That's probably one of the things that that was called out. Um, but for um, from my perspective, um, you know, I think DEFCON was like a sort of a really great event. You did ask me a question. I completely lost thought of that while I was doing this. <laughs> no, recap. So the, the, I think the badges was probably the, be- the best highlight because each village, it's almost like a game as well. If you go on Twitter, you probably find out that everyone is collecting badges. You obviously have to pay money for it. Uh, it's worthwhile calling out. Um, and this was called out of the... Uh, the DEFCON uh, keynote as well, they spend, obviously, they don't get any corporate sponsorship and it's intentional. So the only money that the conference makes is from the ticket that you buy, which is cash only, and the badges that are being sold as well. So I think it, it's it's only fair that you're able to support them and uh, you get to experience all these different interesting things that you may not have experienced otherwise. Uh, so what did you think of the badges? I think we collected a few as well. Yeah. So initially, like, obviously, like when I was, um, you know, prepping for the event and looking at badges and I was like, oh, yeah, like, I don't get, you know, what what the big deal is. But when you go there and you, no, actually you didn't say that, <laughs> I'm going to be honest. So that's that's my initial thought. But when you go there, you actually see them and, you know, they all have like either a puzzle associated with it. There's a lot of effort and thought that goes behind it. So like now I was I, I definitely get it. And I think I'd, I'd definitely be one of those people who'd be wanting to collect a few badges every time I'd, I'm at DEF CON. And it kind of is also that allegiance. So like, for us like obviously cloud village getting a cloud badge was pretty cool because you know we live and breathe cloud security all day so 
it's kind of like you know you you belong to a part of the cybersecurity community so i think it's just one of those things it's a community thing and it's about sort of you know being amongst people who are speaking the same language speaking of cloud village obviously um that was one place that we did find a lot of conversations around cloud and cloud security and um a few of the trends there was a, a lot of talks were around the exploration of built-in functionalities and blind spots that can be abused with different cloud providers. So that for me was really interesting. When I started like going through the talks and listening to them, I'm like, a lot of people were talking about the fact that a lot of um, cloud providers have these defaults, have these inbuilt functionalities. They've got these blind spots that we just install and they how they can be abused. Um, a few of the talks were around Azure. Again, you know, that theme of, you know, people talking about Azure either you know there's more interest in it or maybe because AWS has been covered quite a bit so people are now starting to talk about azure um so it was about how automation account functions in azures can be exploited um about built-in blind spots in AWS azure and gcp um so one of the speakers Noam Dahan who spoke about all three cloud providers and blind spot i thought he mentioned a few interesting things so um critical security areas that are hard to get right and confusingly misrepresented. Um, cloud providers often can design flaws and backdoors that limit the degree of security that can be reached and legacy support and dirty fixes. So I think I thought that actually really captured quite well about the blind spots um, that some of the cloud providers can have. Um, there are some dangerous defaults in uh, GCP that Shannon uh, McHale spoke about. And um, there was also about the fact that one of the um, speakers, Egel, I think Flegman, sorry if I didn't say that name correctly, also spoke about the fact that, you know, a lot of cloud providers are marketing themselves uh, as the most secure infrastructure for your code. And their defaults are sometimes far from secure. Um, so there are things like certificates that are being issued before without proof of domain ownership. You've got insecure SSH by default default passwords uh, and as more things move to the cloud we just have to be aware of you know uh, are the things that the cloud providers are providing by default truly secure so uh, there was a few conversations around that and i think it was a good reminder because often you know we we move to the cloud a lot of things are there by default but are those default settings really the right settings for us um is that surprising for you or do, did you think that that's a conversation that we've had a few years ago and there shouldn't be that much of that because you know you would have thought now we're in our 16th year of being in the cloud um that people would have kind of realized you know maybe don't stick or check you know what the defaults are and make sure you know um they're secure i think there are two parts to this answer and you're partly right because for pe people who have been in industry i mean i guess who have been in the industry like you and i probably realize this and probably would assess each service with, hey, what's the default, what we should know, use or not. But the other reality is also that there are a lot of people coming into the field as well, new. And sometimes the fundamentals are not obvious. And it just, it's just really easy, especially because when you, when you come into the industry for the first time, I did the same mistake as well. I'm not sure if you did as well. But when you go through, say, documentation from Amazon, Azure, Google Cloud, you look at that and go, oh, so this is how, you, how one does it. And you kind of kind of drink the Kool-Aid and kind of do exactly as they kind of call out. The challenge over there is you're not stopping for a second to realize, oh, is this secure or is this the right way to do it? So there's a lot of, I mean, outside of Cloud Security Podcast, there's not a lot of conversation happening around how should you do something in the right way. And it, it definitely is a theme that stood out that, oh, maybe there needs to be more uh, conversations around this thing where, hey, how do you do something the right way? Because it's easy to kind of learn the wrong way because to kind of what you mentioned and what was mentioned in the talk as well, a lot of the defaults are probably not 
the right ones for your organization. And it's up to you as a security person to not just understand the service provided by a cloud service provider, but also understand what are some of the defaults that you don't want to be turned on? What, what are some of the ones that you want to keep as, hey, this is, it's going to map my security policy. And if it doesn't match my policy, match my policy, I should not be using the service. So that realization takes a while, especially if you're new to the industry. So yeah, I think maybe that's why there are two parts. And even after 16 years, actually, maybe another reason is also because there are more services coming in as well. That's like, what I was no going to services that I have no idea what they are and I don't know how to secure them. So I'm yeah. sure uh, there are others like me as well who probably are going, yeah, I, I, I have never worked on the service. So I don't know when I'm going to work on the service. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Um, And, you know, like that's when when he was saying, I'm like, in all fairness, you know, it sounds and I think there's a lot of things um that overall for me, you know, when I listen to the talks and attend the conferences, there's a lot of things that sound really good in theory. And when you're having a talk or when you're, you know, talking at a conference, but when you go to implementation, when you're dealing with the 300, 400 plus services, how many of those can you check for your defaults and go, you know, what's correct, what's not correct? A lot of them have probably not even been investigated. So I know like Rodrigo, who we interviewed at Reinforce, spoke about AWS um, AppStream at one of his talks. And that's something that, you know, people have not even, you know, really investigated. So there's so many of those different kind of AWS or even different cloud provider services that, you know, we, we have the ones that, you know, everyone obviously talks about because they're more popular, but then there will be organizations who are using services that are not that common, that are not secure by default, but no one's really researched on it. So, you know, how do you know? Um, so I, I hope like, you know, there would be more of talks like that, you know, like that Rodrigo said about those lesser known, but potentially can be, you know, sort of abused um, kind of services that people talk about. Um, another big thing in Cloud Village, no surprises, was supply chain. So there was a lot of conversation around securing the pipeline. So the CICD pipeline, I know Cassandra, who we had um, last month, she gave a talk about securing the AWS code pipeline. Um, we had um, Christoph Tafani uh, Deripa. So he presented something called a Strat Stratus Red Team, which was an open source project for adversary emulation and end-to-end -end validation of threat detection in AWS, Kubernetes, and Azure. So that's really good. So it kind of gives you, again, you know how we were talking about that hands-on tooling. So this was, again, a good open source tool that they spoke about um, called Stratus Red Team, that you, know, you could get that emulation of what an adversary could do. Uh, we had Philippe. Um, Esposito, who spoke about the control pane. So, you know, APIs are exposed and well-documented and how attackers are using that. So again, that conversation about API was happening as well um, and how attackers can leverage um, AWS control and data planes to move laterally. So that's, again, you know, uh, another issue with supply chain where people are not just moving within the organization or into a deeper layer, but often laterally as well and how APIs play a part in that. So that theme came across pretty strongly. Um, the other one that was interesting for me was a research by um, Jay Chen, and he said a recent research on 18,000 production cloud accounts across AWS and Azure showed that 99% of cloud identities were overtly permissive. So that is obviously like quite a staggering stack. And also that cloud service, cloud service provider managed policies granted 2.5 times more permissions than customer managed policies. So to, I guess, again, tying back to the team um, about, uh, you know, overtly permissive IAMs. Um, so that's, again, see, sounds like, um, and I obviously am not familiar with 
what that cohort of 1800 was. But even if you don't want to sort of, you know, hold on to the 99, it sounds like there are still a lot of overtly permissive um, accounts out there. But also, again, that conversation about that the default accounts are often more permissive than what you would manage yourself. So those were kind of really interesting ones. Um, around training, so there was, uh, I think, Prowler that we've had Tony Delafante um, in, on our episodes as well. So he did a couple of training at B-Side Vegas and at um, uh, Cloud Village as well. So that was quite an interesting um, one. And there was one around Custo query language, uh, which is Microsoft proprietary query language in threat hunting, threat detection. So again, that theme of threat detection and threat hunting is coming through for um, Cloud Village. Awesome. And I just wanted to quickly cover some of the auxiliary ones as I did for the Black Hat one as well. So in terms of outside the Cloud Village, are some of the other villages, I went through all of them. And thank you to every, anyone who knows probably who made defcon.outel.org because it is really difficult to find uh, information about images or information about each of the villages because defcon site doesn't really take you directly there. So you kind of have to, you know, it, and there's so many villages as well. How many villages, some villages don't even have a website. So anyway, it was really easy uh, thanks to this website. So I'll definitely shout out to whoever made that website. Thank you so much for doing that. So thanks to that, I was able to identify that at least there was one talk in the DEFCON main event. So DEFCON itself has a series of talk, but there are all these villages that happen around it. So that's one of the villages is the cloud village that Shilpi was talking about. At the main uh, DEFCON event, there was, a t there was a talk called Taking a Dump in the Cloud. Uh, it was from Melvin Langwick and uh, I... I don't want to go into the gross and details of it. I'll let you check out the slides, but it was it was really interesting the perspective that Melvin had put in. So I'll definitely uh, put the link in the show notes on, in the blog as well. So you'll probably see that. Uh, apart from that, in the other villages, uh, I went through all of them. Yes, I went through all I think thirteen or fourteen of the villages, and uh, the ones that actually had a cloud or a I guess a, a related cloud related talk was AppSec Village had two talks in there. One was about cloud security and IAM for dev and DevOps, like how can IAM be exploited to minimize the risk? The other one in AppSec Village was a simple yet lethal anatomy of software supply chain attack. Again, supply chain coming up again. Uh, the Red Team Village had one workshop for container and Kubernetes offenses, and Recon Village had new frontiers in GitHub secret snatching. So uh, by Tilson Galloway and the uh, the talk or the workshop at Red, Red Team Village on container and Kubernetes offense was from Michael Mitchell. So uh, team so far, AppSec uh, Village had cloud security. Actually, I forgot to mention Blue Team Village had a cloud security panel, uh, which uh, our previous two guests, Andrew Krug, as well as Cassandra Young were there and a few other people. Actually, and Tony Fiante was there as well. So that was an interesting conversation. And what I've been told, they would have a cloud security panel again next year. But no spoilers, I'm not, no promises yet. But yeah, so quickly, AppSec Village had two talks by David Henry and uh, on the cloud security topic and by Ilan Rapoport, I hope I pronounced it correctly, and Tachachi. They were talking about, Ilan and Tachachi were talking about the simple yet lethal anatomy of a software supply chain. In the Red Team Village, the container and Kubernetes offense, that was a workshop by Michael Mitchell. In the Recon Village, the new frontier in GitHub secret snatching, it was a talk by Tilson Galloway. So uh, for people who are probably thinking, why do I care about GitHub secrets? If you kind of go back to one of the one of the most popular reasons for why people find out about, uh, yeah, or why people get access to your credentials is probably because they are looking at credentials in GitHub. So 
that was it. That was my takeaway. And obviously there were talks, uh, training workshops and stuff as well. Yeah, amazing. And I think it's good to see like there is a little bit of sprinkling of cloud that are happening in all the different villages. So um, I guess there is definitely that, you know, increased adoption that we are seeing. Um, I think very quickly, I did want to go through obviously besides Vegas. So it's like, you know, another we have b-sides all across the world you know we were at b-sides sf uh, earlier in the year and this one again you know is one of those conferences that sits on the side of a major conference so in this case it might be defcon or black hat again the theme was very much supply chain so there were so many conversations around cicd environments um CICD is becoming part of a standard infrastructure and there is an increased adoption of infrastructure as code. Um, So there was a lot of conversations about that being attack services for supply chain. Um, There was CICD GOAT that was presented at B-Side Vegas, which I spoke about uh, before, which is a deliberately vulnerable CICD pipeline dashed into CICD pipeline. Um, So there were all those conversations that were happening. there was also conversations about open source dependency, which again goes into supply chain because as we know, open source dependencies is a big part of supply chain. Um, so Russian APTs have you know, gotten a lot of attention over the last time. And especially now with, I guess, Russia and Ukraine, everyone is thinking about you know, how Russian APTs are very active. But there was a conversation from Cheryl Biswas where she spoke about Chinese APTs and that they have been a force behind more attacks than people realize. So that was really interesting for me because I, I don't think we were paying that much attention towards that particular demographic. Um, they're targeting technology sectors for e- economic espionage and intellectual property theft. So, um, wow. and are we ready? yeah, so are we ready for what comes down the CICD pipeline? So that I thought was really interesting uh, from an open source dependency perspective and how um, they are being targeted by different APTs, Russians, but also sounds like Chinese. Um, Matt Muir had a really interesting talk. So he was talking about, again, you know, this is going back to the beginning of the conversation we had is like how the attackers are becoming, you know, they're becoming more sophisticated. The attacks are becoming more severe. And in his talk, he talks about how he feels probably the defenders are not being able to adapt at the same pace. Um, So adversaries have increased awareness of incident response techniques and cloud security mechanisms, um, and they are being leveraged. So which was so our attackers are getting smarter. And he actually spoke about two cloud focused malware campaigns where attackers were able to evade detection by, you know, sort of they are learning, I guess, at the same pace. And with obviously all this information being online, you know, adversaries are learning are probably at the same pace and maybe they sometimes have bigger motivation. So that was quite Maybe they listen to this conversation and finding out <laughs> ways to escape it as well. Yeah, I hope not. <laughs> so uh, this is this conversation only for good hackers, maybe. Um, but yeah, so that was really interesting for me and the fact that, you know, he was able to actually demonstrate that with examples as well. So those were um, some good ones. There were some talks that were, um, you know, sort of delivered at multiple events. So I know Rodrigo spoke at a couple of events, similar conversations, Philippe did as well. Um, so you do find that, you know, in a place like Hacker Summer Camp where there are multiple conferences, a lot of the really good speakers will be speaking at different events. They might tweak the um, the talks a little bit for based on where the events are. So you're going to get to hear different perspectives about the same topic as well, which is really interesting. Um, Dina Initiative, though, you know, they obviously want to talk a lot about um, mental health and diversity and all of those things. They also did have a, a few cloud talks, which was good to see. So Cassandra spoke about uh, guardrails for AWS and the CICD pipeline was also mentioned at Dyna Initiative. So um, that was really interesting. Any comments or thoughts around, you know, that um, 
you know, no, I think that was pretty much, uh, you covered it really well as well. So in conclusion, do we still feel that there is a, well, it's going to get worse before it gets better? Yes. Yeah, so I think we started that. I don't know. I was like, you know, when, when everyone kind of came into the conversation, Ashish and I were just having a chat and I was saying, can you believe this is what they said? And I'm like, initially, you know, and I'm, I'm, and I think we're both of that ethos that we are not about, you know, fear mongering and cybersecurity is not about that. It's about how do we find solutions? Uh, but when you start to have this conversation, it's not so much about being scared, but about just being aware. Um, things may get worse before they get better. So we have gone through rapid digital transformation. A lot of things are moving to the cloud. A lot of things, a lot more things are connected. Our adversaries are getting smarter. They've got access to more tools. Um, obviously, you know, supply chain, we've seen a lot of sophisticated supply chain attacks. So there's multiple things that are happening. Um, I don't know whether they'll get worse, but definitely, you know, their attack surface is growing, but as a cybersecurity industry, we are maturing as well. So it's just that open conversation. It's just about bringing, um, you know, I guess uh, that awareness to the fact that these things are there and, you know, we probably need to, you know, keep pace, keep ourselves, you know, listening to podcasts, attending events, keeping ourselves, sharing that knowledge to make sure, you know, we are keeping pace. And um, I'd like echo what Chris Krebs said again, you know, the cybersecurity community does have a lot of influence at the moment. We just need to know about it and we just need to own it. So that was probably my overall takeaway from Hacker Summer Camp. Ashish, what would you like to finish off on? I think uh, I definitely, so for people who may have been attending security conferences, keeping a tab on it for a long time, and you might hear this and go, yeah, it's always been the case. We are already, always chasing our tail with the hackers. And our job is probably the hardest. When I say our job, the blue team, the folks who are trying to do the right thing, and the folks who are trying to build a safer, I guess, ecosystem for cybersecurity, I, I definitely feel that was very evident. And that's an essential part of why people should keep an eye out for the Hacker Summer Camp, because you're getting to understand how the adversaries themselves think but these are the good adversaries who are hanging out with you and sharing what they've learned. So it's a good thing that we also have all these smart people around who are probably sharing what they've learned over the last year. And it's not easy to get one of these talks. So I can imagine the amount of research and the amount of talks that would have been even rejected, but they were been good. So um, I, I hopefully we can, I mean, if, if they are listening to this and going, oh, I, my talk was there, but it got rejected. But if you folks want a platform to come and talk to, I'm sure Cloud Security Podcast would be more than happy to kind of talk about yeah. any cloud. And, and there's that things have. like, you know, um, as you said, like a couple brought up like Zero Trust, SBOV. There's lots of things. I mean, it's hard for a conference to cover all the topics that people want to, um, you know, speak about. So definitely, you know, if anyone out there in the community wants to, you know, share something, we are more than happy to, you know, have, you know, have a chat about that at Cloud Security Podcast. Uh, we will link all the talks that we went through Um you know, uh, on our podcast show notes, but also in a blog um, so that, you know, there's a lot of information here and we've tried to distill that, um, you know, the key takeaways. And if you were to spend one hour to soak in all the knowledge, how you would, um, and it was hard because there was just so much great information. So we'll link the talks. Some of them were recorded, not all of them, but for any that weren't, you know, we'll try and, you know, put some bullet points just so that, you know, you can still take away something from it. Um, but you know, thank you so much for listening. Hopefully this was valuable. Yeah, thank you for listening, everyone. And we will see you on the next conversation. In the meantime, we just try to have some music. Thanks, everyone. See you thank next you so time. much for listening. Thanks, see you. Bye. Thanks, Bye.